welcome to The Messy Empire with Karen Prawl, where we prove to you that success is all about embracing the chaos and charging into the unknown. AJ Guzman, editor for The Messy Empire. Today we're going to take a look at a concept called end line. More specifically, where do you draw the end line? Now, this is really a strategic way of thinking of how you can process different questions and different challenges that you receive to kind of take a little bit of time and instead of reacting, responding in a way that either creates as much opportunity for yourself moving forward or mitigates as much headache for yourself moving forward. So this is a really cool framework for decision making and how to make sure that you're doing what's best for your future self. Today, I want to talk about endline. Endline. Do you know what that means? Not a clue. Okay. Well, I think I made up the phrase, so we okay. may... <laughs> so, so I'm not in the wrong. It's just nobody knows what that means. No, because again, it's a silent expectation of things I expect you to know. So I am obsessed, and everybody knows in our leadership team, with Ancestry.com right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, there are a lot of late night Facebook posts about it. Yeah, and it's funny because when you all see me at work every day and my hair is not done, it's because I was up till two in the morning adding to my tree. <laughs> but the end result is this, is that I'm going to see all my cousins. I have one set of cousins, and I'm going to see all of them next weekend. And I haven't seen them all since I was about 11 years old. And so I'm excited to show them their, it's their family tree also is the side I'm really focused on. Mm -hmm. So as I'm learning about my family, particularly my dad's side, because he's passed, is that you get these little hints and these little leaves pop up. And my sister and I call it like crack. It's a hint. <laughs> but it's typically from someone else's tree. So then you follow this rabbit hole and then you lose three hours. Like... Fair warning, do not get on Ancestry.com if you don't have a minimum of three hours. Yeah, three hours to start because once you're in it, like it's over. Okay, so this little leaf. All right, so like what is the little, like the leaf shows up on your family it, tree? It basically searched the database and found somebody else who has the same family tree. So, so if you see that leaf, that can kind of like spread your branches out even farther? Yes. Okay. Yeah, but I'm only doing direct ascent right now because I don't have time. To do all the others. So I kind of have to time block it actually, which is hilarious. <laughs> or prioritize. If it's not in your calendar, it doesn't exist. Yeah, and, and you're none of this making is, sure. Yeah. None of this is on my calendar. I can tell you that. So anyway, my when I'm going through this and I'm thinking about all the correlations between what we do in working our sphere and this ancestry.com, it's isn't it ironic what I just showed you? Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird, actually. Yeah. I, I would get lost We're in there. basically building ancestry for real estate agents and their clients. Yeah. Oh, yeah. With tags, platform, data sharing. It's pretty amazing. At the end of the day, sometimes I follow one of the family trees and I see a picture rather than a profile picture of that person. It'll say end line. Okay. So in my 150 hours of research on Ancestry the past couple weeks, thanks to Lori Ballin, this is her fault. <laughs> um, it's made me think about how I make decisions. And I got a call the other day from an OP operating partner in California, and they asked how I, we did something, how we achieved something. And I said, I'm happy to connect you with the person who did it. Okay. 
there was actually two people that helped do it. I'm not going to share what it is. Okay, but let's just call it you know a project. Yes. And there are two people that helped you with the project. Yes. And I, I, I thought, who do I give her to talk to? Okay. Option A or option B. Okay. What are the differences between option A and option B? Well, they both worked on the same project. Okay. So option A seems easiest because actually she is the most um, available. Okay. So option A has the time? Option A has the time. Okay. I know the media, the response time is typically faster. Okay. So option A will... You, you know, get, get you, it done. You got this, o, this OP that reached out to you and you know for a fact option A will respond to them right away. Yes. And get all her questions answered. Okay. Option B was the other person who maybe wouldn't respond as fast, but the potential to do business with this person in California was exponential. So why is that? So is, is option B just more entrepreneurial or more business minded or like what's, what are you thinking? Like option B already has a company that might fit what they may need. In, okay. Down the road. Gotcha. So I want to get him in relationship. Gotcha. So going with option A would handle the problem right now, or not even the problem, would answer the questions right now. Yes. But option B would create more opportunities for everybody involved. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. I think I get it. I get it. I get it. But this person in California doesn't know that that's what my end game is. So I realize- They just think you're finding someone to answer the question on project, on yes, the project. Which, which option B, he can. Mm-hmm. Because they both worked on the project. Yes. But you're strategically picking the one that's going to create more opportunity? Yes. In the end, or get in relationships so that he can earn her trust that we could do business with down the road. Gotcha. Okay. Huh. So I was explaining this to Karen Shawley and maybe Shawana in my office the other day. And I said, I just, I want you all to think about how, or understand how I think. I could have done A and she would have been great and helped. Or B, can do this. And that's how I think every single day. And answer C is the exact same way. Because op- option B has the little leaflet, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Option B has this the opportunity for this branch to just keep spreading out. Yeah. Okay, I get it. I'm on board. I understand. It's so fun. Like, So there's this game. It's called Flow. It's on my phone. Wait, wait. Just to be clear. Option A was the end line? Yeah. So option A... Would've... Got it done. Next, we're moving on. But that would have been it. That's it. It was the end line. But you want that little leaflet so option B could have made more branches. Yes. Okay. All right. I'm going to flow. Talk to me about flow. Okay. Flow is this game where you connect different colored dots. It's so basic, but it helped Joel become a better project manager when he was on the pipeline. And it it makes you solve problems or workarounds or find solutions. Okay. And, And it's so funny because that he goes, I swear to God, this is, you know, five years back said that game has really helped me in my thinking. And he's right. Cause I've been, I do it too. And I've been doing it again because mm-hmm. I feel like we always have to grow our brain and it's always a muscle. So I'm always, I am learning all the time. Like before we met today, I was listening to podcasts that I could send to our leadership teams oh, awesome. and, and say, this might, this probably applies somewhere in your world right now. This flow game is spectacular. It's basic, but it retrains your muscle and your brain how to find resolutions. So there's two things. Endline could be all that you need to move forward. So let's say there's a question or a challenge in a transaction for an agent and they just need the question answered. It could be, was the appraisal ordered? 
Yes. Or no. Their client asks them what Yeah, or the other agent on the transaction. Right? Let's say I have the buyer and they have the listing and they could say, was the appraisal ordered? Okay. And I could say, yes. Or I could say, yes, it was ordered yesterday. They said it would be done by Thursday at four. Yeah, because option A and get it done. Answer the question, just get it done. And then option B doesn't really create more opportunity. It just kind of stops them from asking follow-up questions. Yes. And it's also getting engaged in relationship. Okay. So now down the road with I gave option B that yes, it was ordered and they said it would be done by Thursday at four. When I do that and the next time around when I have a buyer and they have a listing and it's multiple offers, Mm -hmm. how do I show up to that agent? As someone who communicates clearly and gets the job done well. Yes. And, and that's important. And so when I arrived in Naperville, um, I taught a lot of our leadership team to not just answer the question, answer the question and plus one it. Okay. So they should never have to come back and ask another question. You give them so much information. That, all right. So, so this is kind of two different things then. You, sometimes you're specifically choosing. So in this situation, you chose option A. Because in this situation, you wanted it to be the end line. You wanted that to be the end of the questions you're going to get from the other agents. But in the other situation, you chose option B because that created more opportunity. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have to think about what you want out of this. Do you want this to be the the end line or do you want this to keep going and you want the end line to be somewhere further out? Right. So what's your? it could be like end goal or what's your... um, motive behind it or what, whatever that is. But I think it also correlates with reacting versus responding. Because if I wanted to react and just say, yes, it's been ordered, the appraisal has been ordered, that's it. That's just a reaction. Yeah, but a response would say, yes, it's been ordered. The appraiser said it would be done by Thursday at four. Let me know if you have any further questions. Gotcha, gotcha. So when that OP calls from California and is asking you, a reaction would have just been option A because option A is going to answer this problem and get it done or answer these questions and get it done. The response, once you've taken some time to think about it, is option B because now you know option B is going to create more flourishing opportunities. And yes. I'm trying to think of this as a tree too. Like like that branch is going to make more branches. Yes. Okay. All right. So that's that's kind of interesting. So how does flow affect this? Flow affects my thinking of if I do this, then this will happen. So there was this program. It used to be called If This Then That, I-F-F-T-T, or, right? Mm-hmm. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Do I sound techie right now? You sound techie. Yes. <laughs> and, and it would say, if this happens, then that happens. That's actually how command is being set up, mm-hmm. right? This will trigger that, will trigger that. And, and so when I'm thinking about solutions, I'm always, this is part of our conversation of always looking for opportunity. Okay, because in certain situations, option B is creating more opportunity. Yes. All right. Okay, I get that. And so with flow, I don't know if I've ever seen the game flow. So like, part of it is I just don't understand how flow works. I know. And so I'll show you the game. Hey, everybody. It's Karen Prawl. You know I've been obsessed with following my family tree so I can share with my other family about where we all came from. And AJ and I have been uh, discussing the program on our podcast. And so if you're interested in starting your own family tree, you could just go to 
ancestry.messyempire.com. That's ancestry.messyempire.com. Thanks. So I just played flow. I get I get how flow works now. And I see what you're saying where so essentially in flow you're connecting more than one set of dots. You have to connect point A to point B for like four different colorways. But one of the traps that you can fall into is if you connect point A to point B for yellow, you could be cutting off the only path that the red point A and point B can connect. So you have to think of whether or not you've left enough opportunity there for all of the different colors to connect. Yes! I get it. Okay, I get it. This is, it's a cool game. I'm going to go download Flow. <laughs> but um, I think I understand that now. So what does it look like for people that aren't thinking in terms of endline? Aren't thinking in terms of either creating more opportunity by whatever they're answering or by just getting rid of the headache that comes with only half-assedly answering a question? Okay, so I'll use a good example from an agent. It's actually my sister. <laughs> she got a call for a, to list a rental from a referral, Okay, I believe. I don't remember the source, but it doesn't matter. So she's at closing and... She says to the seller, if you have any other investment properties that you're thinking of selling, I'd be happy to list them for you. Because Cindy did a good job and got great results and the seller was very happy. And they said, actually, yes, I have six more homes I need to sell. Oh, wow. Because she asked the question. Yeah. That's, that's a good one. So I know a lot of agents have trouble asking for referrals at closing. Um, you know, my favorite line was? What? Okay, this was so great, AJ. I loved working with you, and now I need you to replace yourself. That is a good line. Yeah. They laugh, because people laugh. Yeah, so people not using that, are they're deciding that that transaction is the end line. Yes. But someone like your sister, who remembers to ask at every closing and actually asked, created this new branch, or this new six branches, actually, for there to be more and more opportunity every time. Right, and how many sides are there to a transaction? There's two, so she created 12, 12. 12 branches. Uh-huh. Wow. Okay, do you see an issue with agents not doing that? Every day. What is it, is it that they're not asking for referrals or is it that they're not asking at closing? I think it's they're not thinking something through because they're so busy uh, responding and rather than getting ahead and think about what route the tree's going to go. Mm -hmm. Okay, that makes sense. So I actually think they just live in chaos and they're trying to get through the day. Gotcha. So not even... They're not thinking of it in terms of let me put the cap on the tree or let me make sure that this is the end of the branch. They're just thinking, let me put that fire out really quickly. Yes. And putting fires out by nature is reactionary instead of taking the time to respond and think about how you're going to plant seeds for more branches. Yes. Okay, so here's an example of like branches that you let die. Okay. So in bold, in Amarillo, Texas, it was like 2010 or 11, Albert Harris, who is now the managing broker, he's an amazing guy. He is very involved in his church. And it's a, I think it's a pretty large church community. Well, he goes to bold. And by the way, we drove three hours each way for bold. So I never like to hear any crying about how far the drive <laughs> wait, is. Wait, how, six hours in the car? Each way, every, every Tuesday. 
Yeah, and it was one more session too. So there's no crying out there how, about how, how far rural is Amarillo, Texas. No, I lived in Fritch though, which is 50 miles north, and I had to go to Bold in Lubbock, Texas. Oh gosh. Yeah, so there's no crying. That's why I don't feel sad for anyone that complains about a drive. Suck it up, Buttercup. I was gonna say I don't think we're three hours away from anything in uh, Illinois. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so so Albert came one. He came into the class one day and he stood up and he said, "I meet with a men's group every Friday." And I, and it's a lovely group. And I went and I asked for some referrals. And for the first time I asked and every person in there had a piece of business for me. And they said, why? And he said, why haven't you given me this business before? I mean, they're in relationship every week. And they said, you never asked. And it wasn't to withhold. It's just, they weren't top of mind. Right. You, we think about real estate transactions all day. Nobody else does. Nobody else thinks about it. It doesn't even cross their mind twice. So that's how... Okay, so just by asking, he opened up this whole new branch. And a lot of agents aren't asking for those referrals. Right. Why is that? Why do you think that is? Do you think like... what? what I do think, you think people are afraid of rejection. I think that's fundamentally why. Hmm. But it, it sounds like it pays off more often than it doesn't. Well, why wouldn't it? Why wouldn't you ask? I mean, Pete and I were joking the other day and I said, uh, I said, oh, I have a, a friend from high school that has a referral. He's looking for a good agent in Tennessee. And Pete saw my messaging about it and he goes, I play floor hockey or whatever with that guy every week. And I go, yeah, but he remembers that I'm the realtor. Okay. All right. Right. And, and so when you always keep the channels open and don't close them, you never know what's possible. This was a really nice kid from high school, but we don't have a relationship today outside of Facebook. So let me ask you this from a team leader's perspective. Has this been something that you've run come across where you've made the mistake of bringing an end line too early? Like, have you... Yes. What, what was that like? What, what... You were actually part of it, your former team. <laughs> okay, all right. This is, this is going to be an interesting one then. You'll, you may or may not even know. Like, okay. Right now, I have no clue. Okay. So when I, when Cameron um, wrote his book, Cameron Mitchell. Okay. Okay. Yes is the answer. And I read it. I was there, but I didn't know all of that was going on. I knew most of it. And, but not the real intricate, how the investors, you know, the very deep parts of his own company were. And Alice was, Alice Chin was supposed to come over like six months before you guys did. Come over as in come over to KW. Yeah, move to Keller Williams. Gotcha. And I, actually I was at Bold and she calls me that morning and I knew it. And she's like, I'm not coming. And, and she, honestly, she was just scared because mm -hmm. the transition was supposed to happen the next day, that Wednesday. And so, uh, you know, at first I was mad, but she, it was her genuine feeling mm -hmm. and I had to respect it. Right. So then I stayed in relationship with her and I met her for coffee and then we got back in relationship. I didn't just cut her off. Right. And then what happened? She came. Right. And it, that was probably a way better time for her. It really wasn't about me. It was me. October. It started to lull a little bit yeah. better. Yeah. It was, it was a great time. Yeah. So, so I, I think about what the end line is, but also there have been people that I've gotten out of business with and I end that line. I don't care to ever talk to them again. Okay. Gotcha. Cause it doesn't serve me. So in that situation, Alice could have canceled and you could have just been so annoyed, angry that, you know, forget you like, yeah. This, Cause I'd spent a lot of time with her leading up to this point. 
all right, I, I feel like I've heard that happen. I feel like I've seen that happen, that exact thing play out for like a lot of different people where someone's working on a prospect and, you know, maybe they go out on a listing appointment and then that, that client tells them, we decided we're going to hold off another year. And so this agent just gets so annoyed, whatever, forget you. Like maybe doesn't say anything to them and is probably polite with them on the phone, but is just so annoyed that they don't reach back out for another year. And by that time, instead of a year, they listed in 11 months with a different agent. It just happened to Sam Kachuba. Really? New agent, Sam Kachuba in, um, in Downers Grove. She did an open house in January or February. And she met this awesome couple. Well, this couple, she didn't even know, bought a house with another agent the following month. So March. Okay. So she, but she stayed in touch with them because she didn't know they were buying a house. They didn't call every realtor they saw at an open house and right. said, yeah. "Hey, we're gonna go buy a house now." Yeah, exactly. Right? That doesn't happen. So, so she did. She didn't know they bought a house. Well, she'd been staying on her touch and touching them uh, as she was trained to do with us. Mm. And ironically, they just called her to come list their house. They she didn't know they bought because he got transferred out of state. Oh. Oh, that's actually a really interesting one. It's that's an like, awesome story, and, and it's true. And she said, just do what KW teaches you. Follow up, yeah. Any brokerage should be teaching you that. So so I think it's inter- that's how she didn't end the line by just doing an open house and whatever. She made the calls. She did exactly what she's supposed to do, and then she earned the business. And they said, you were the only one who was professional and followed up. All right, let me just say I'm in agreement with you on this. I completely get how deciding that something's not going to be the end line can create more opportunity for you and ultimately just more prosperity for you. Here's my question. How do you know when you want this to be the end line? Maybe, maybe not necessarily that you don't want any more opportunities, but maybe you just don't want this problem to keep sprouting up. How do you, how do you handle that? And what does that look like? Can you give me an example? Well, so I'm th- so like I'm just thinking back to that one earlier where you know if you're at the front desk and an agent calls because they don't know how to you know they don't know how to upload their earnest money mm-hmm. maybe instead of just saying this is how you upload your earnest money maybe you say this is how you upload your earnest money and then also once you have the inspection report I'll show you how to send that over to whoever you need to send that over to and just kind of get all of those technicalities done at once. How do you know when the right time to do that is? Um, that's a good question because if that person is really stressed out, the last thing I want to do is bog them down. Mm-hmm. That, if I were at the front That's desk. exactly what I was thinking is like, I don't want to make this problem worse for, that, for everybody. Yeah, for yeah. that experience. But for some agents and for some people, that's the right thing to do at that time. Right. I think you have to really measure it out. Um, probably like cadence in the conversation. Mm-hmm. If they're stressed out, if they're not, and honestly, we know how many transactions an agent has going on typically. So if they're busy or just don't feel like learning. Gotcha. So it, so as an agent, if I get a call from a seller and they're asking a question about whatever it is, let's say they're asking for feedback on a showing that just happened. How do I know if right now is the right time to end the line or if right now is the time to just answer this question and leave the line open? Well, it depends. Has a list they've been sitting? What's their motivation? Why are they moving? Do they have a timeline? I'd have to know all that first. You mean I have to use good judgment all the time? And, yeah, and understand what the opportunity or 
could look like. Like if it's a seller that is looking because they're moving to Florida because their grandchild's about to be born, that would be a timeline. Yeah. So I'd say, yeah, the feedback was this. Hey, listen, if we keep getting the same feedback, I really, we really need to discuss doing a price reduction to get you to Florida on time. Gotcha. So this is so that would be one of those times where like they're in a crunch. Instead of just giving them the feedback right now, I'm going to give them the feedback and I'm going to talk more about. I'm going to set lay the groundwork. Yep. Yeah, kind of keep this moving along and get more branches out there so that way we can address more problems all at once. Yeah. But you know, I was thinking about this in my personal stuff too. Like I have a lot of friends and because I stay in touch or I don't, but I never close the door on people. Mm -hmm. Like personally, I don't have an end line with my personal friendships. Okay. Okay. I, I get what you're saying. Like a lot of people are like, Oh, we've just moved on or time goes on or we lost touch or this. And I just don't do that. Everybody's, if you're a friend of mine, you're a friend for life, no matter what. Mm -hmm. So I think that's how I've always lived my life. So you just have a disposition towards this isn't the end line. Ever. Ever. No. I was, I was, we had Oktoberfest last night, which mm -hmm. is why my voice is a little raspy <laughs> because I talked to 900 people. And Jeez. it was so fun. See, that's, I know that's like your nightmare. And for me, I'm like, <laughs> it was so fun. And it was, it was an amazing event. And I saw some, uh, a guy from high school and he, he graduated. He's older than me. Um, and I said, I love seeing how many people I do business with from my very small high school. Like my high school only had 200 kids in the class. Oh geez. Yeah. You did have a small high school. Very class. And I'm in business with so many of them today. Oh, really? That's kind of cool. Yeah. Like Jill Bita Daniels, the attorney. Mm. Uh, Brian oh, Hogan. Yeah, yeah. Eric Lewandowski from Radon. Uh, Johnny Gigliotti is a contractor. Like so many of these people from high school that I'm in business with. It's amazing. That's pretty cool. So, so if I close the door. Yeah, I was about to say, if, if those lines had ended in high school, then you... We wouldn't have had a lot of sponsors last night. <laughs> and also a lot of these relationships would just kind of be like almost starting cold relationships at this point. Yeah. And, and Jill was doing some real estate closings when I moved here four and a half years ago. And we met for coffee over at Starbucks. And I said, why don't you become a full-time real estate attorney? And she's like, okay. I'm like, well, I'll introduce you. You live in the Grange. We're opening an office in Downers Grove. And that's how she got in to that office in Downers Grove. And... And is because an agent, Patty Bell, who was formerly at Coldwell Banker, was with us now, um, also really liked Jill. So she had a few pieces. But if I wasn't in relationship or could pick up where we left off, gotcha. her chances of of succeeding through others, or my chances of her succeeding through others, would have been slim. All right. So that's like the greatest part about being a leader. That is the greatest part is creating opportunities for other people. All right, so I, I'm completely sold. It sounds like option B is usually the better choice. Creating more opportunity and like letting the leaflet create more branches is almost always going to be the better decision. Just ballpark. How many people do you think do that consistently? Like what percentage of yeah, people? Yeah, yeah. No, well, like this the would exact totally figure. Be a like, guess. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. Like just like from your experience, like, what would you guess the percentage is? I guess. Do you think more people do it or less people do it? Far less. Far less. Like, I think it's got to be the 80-20 rule. Okay, so like the only 20% of people are actively 
creating more opportunity in these transactions or in these experiences. And, and I, when I say more opportunity, it could be more relationship. Mm. Right? More loyalty. Right, right. It's not always more business. It's not about business. Yeah. It's relationship. It's loyalty. It's kinship. It's professionalism. It could, it's anything like that. Like, it just creates everything to be better. Hmm. You know, like, I don't really have any um, bad blood with anybody. I mean, there's one or two. <laughs> <laughs> but But... I've met tens of thousands of people in my career and the doors are always open, right? And and that's what's fun is even if they may feel a way about me for a while or or me about them for a while, if it they're meant to be in your life, you still have to work at it. It doesn't just happen. Well, I'm surprised that you think it's only 20% of people cuz like we work in a very gregarious and very entrepreneurial industry. I'm surprised that numbers are not a lot higher for realtors and for people that work in real estate. I think they're not higher because I don't believe that many people know how to give service. Gives, okay. And that is giving service. Creating more opportunity is giving service? Well, or just fulfilling a need that they don't know they haven't, that they need yet. So when someone asks me a question and I'm not in my high D mode of my, I have a checklist of 48 things to get done today. And so I'm sorry, my responses are so short. I, I, I haven't slowed down to take the time. But if someone said, hi, I, I don't know how to upload earnest money. Going mm. back to your example, can you do it for me? I'm gonna do it this time, but then I'm gonna send you a video of how to upload earnest money. And so let me know if you have any questions following that, but you're gonna, you're gonna be able to nail it. Gotcha. That's how I do every, like, it's not just the name of the, my accountant. People ask me all the time for my accountant. What's the name of the account? No one asks that. I send the website or I send his share contact, right? I don't just take a picture and send a number. I always try to do a little bit more. So it makes it easier for them to get what they need. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. All right. I'm on board with that. Yeah. It's, I mean, to me, that's service. Because for a lot of agents, answering the question is service. The, this or a lot of staff people showing you how to, or uploading the earnest money for you is service. We just served you, but now that's the end of the line. Now that's now right. it's done. You're not creating the opportunity for them to be able to do more business in the future or have the confidence to do upload earnest money and yeah. let that don't let that get in your way, right? right? And so then, if if we teach them how to upload the earnest money then they don't have to stop and worry about how to do it the next time around. Like, how can I remove all obstacles from someone moving forward? Right. And, and knowing how to do something, like the knowledge of how to do even the smallest part of your job is a confidence builder. AJ, I taught one of our agents, I think it was Maria Karun, about, uh, maybe it was her, how to use the PDF, the MyScanner Pro app, on your phone. Yeah. And she was like, that just changed my life. That's awesome. Right. But it was something that I stopped and I was like, don't worry about it. She, I heard her ask the front desk for the fax number. And I said, what do you need the fax number for? And she said, well, I have to get this earnest money check or whatever copy of it too. And I said, have you seen this app? And I stopped and I showed it to her and she's like, oh my gosh, that just changed my life. So, I could have just given her the fax number. Yeah. Oh Yeah. The fax number would have gotten would have gotten solved right now, but now that you showed her how to use Scanner Pro, that just pays off in dividends over time. Yes. And it costs you the same amount of time. Yes. Pretty cool, right? So then I want I want people to think today 
or tomorrow because a lot of people listen to this on their way into work Monday morning. How can they plus one something for someone today rather than just answering a question? Any suggestions for our next episode? Tell us on Instagram at The Messy Empire. Thank you for listening to The Messy Empire with Karen Prawl.